Blog Talk Radio. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com, slash The Ken Reedy Show, at The Ken Reedy Show on Twitter, and our website, thekenreedyshow.com. And we got a, a schedule now up on the website of our upcoming interviews, so be sure to go and check out the website. As always, my tag team partner, Dave, is on the line. Dave, are you, how are you tonight? I am doing well tonight. It's Tuesday night. I'm feeling all right and uh, ready to talk some wrestling. Yeah, we got you know we we gotta kind of clue our fans in as to you know it, it, it's kind of a weird night because usually we're doing the Ironbound thing, and uh, you know that you know not not to I'm not ripping anybody like they, they've had some tech issues uh, that's that's no secret um, they've had some more tech issues uh, tonight so we're unable to get into the studio do the show through Ironbound so we're. Uh, you know, doing the usual, doing the Sunday kind of setup, but here on a, on a Tuesday. So you can still hear it on the KenryShow.com and uh, blog talk. But uh, hopefully, you know, they're going to be switching studios soon over there at Ironbound. And, you know, we had Dave on the phone uh, when this whole process started. And, you know, that dude's got a dream. He's got a dream. He's got a vision for what he wants to see uh, this station achieve. And, uh you know, he brought us on board, uh, brought Olga, brought uh, our friend Pat, who we did the tailgate with, um, you know, and he's got this vision. And, uh, you know, I hope I hope we get, a, you know, he gets everything squared away. And hopefully uh, with this move to a new studio, within a month or so, we'll uh, get back into the Ironbound Studios and uh, back on the air with them. But, uh, yeah, some technical issues today, Dave. So uh, we're still we're still doing the show. Just yeah, like, yeah. Okay. Still doing the Sunday night. It's it's Sunday on Tuesday. <laughs> kind of like Christmas in July. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we got we got a lot of things coming down the pike and uh, some breaking news. I mean, we kind of hinted on it on on a Sunday show and uh, Dave in your news report. You're uh, reporting on PWS and uh, NWA on fire, and uh, we we've entered into kind of a promotional relationship, if you will, with uh, PWS. So NWA and Fire and PWS, right now we're we're working together. It's not necessarily a partnership, but working together 
uh, right now. So it's 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 a good thing. I mean, when you start to get these, uh, you know, these independents start to figure out, hey, you know, it's going to be better for everybody if we start working together. Uh, the people that win in that, in the end, uh, is the fans. And, uh, you know, PWS, they had an issue in Metuchen. Uh They're basically booted out of the city. Um, the, the story was all over the Internet. And, uh, you know, NWA on Fire kind of stepped up. The Savoldi family stepped up and wanted to help them uh, publicize their events because they had to move it last minute. So, uh, you know, we're working with them. NWA on Fire and PWS uh, are working together. Um, so with that being said, uh, coming up on May 11th, uh, PWS Bombshells, and that's their, their lady uh, promotion, the female wrestlers, uh, they're going to be wrestling at the Knights of Columbus in Iceland, New Jersey. And it, it's just minutes, minutes away from Metuchen. So if you're thinking about going to see PWS, the Bombshells, and uh, you're like, oh, no, they moved it. I can't. It's just, it's just minutes. Minutes away from a touch. And so uh, you want to go check that out. PWS, I mean, Dave, we were there. Uh, WrestleMania weekend, we were there for their super show. Uh, you know, I've been there for other shows. You know, they always put on a kick-ass show. Yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a pretty damn good show. They had about 1,000 people in the... Uh Matuchin's uh, sports complex, and it was just a fun show and fun fun way to kick off WrestleMania weekend. We talked about it on the show before, so uh, you know I'm looking forward to this uh, working relationship with uh, the NWA and uh, PWS. Yeah, and a week later they're uh, debuting in uh, New York City, May 18th. PWS Empire State strikes back. Uh, Scott Steiner, uh, Big Papa Pump is going to be on the card as well as. Homicide, Sammy Callahan, Flash Funk. So you want to check that out. Again, another great show. Two great shows coming up from PWS. So uh, go to P Pro Wrestling Syndicate. That's ProWrestlingSyndicate.com for more information if you want your tickets. And again, in, in this idea, this idea that, you know, we want to enter into a partnership. NWA on Fire is looking to, uh, you know, expand and and barter some really good relationships with other promotions. So we have some other things coming down the pike. On May 4th, uh, that's this coming weekend, G1 Pro Wrestling debuts at Bayville Ox, Ox, Elks Club. I got Ox Baker on the brain. Belleville Elks, <laughs> Elks Lodge in Bayville, New Jersey. That's G1 Pro Wrestling. So you want to go check that out. And, uh, you know, NWA on fire. We're going to be back with our roster. We're going to be running June 15th. Uh, we're going to be running a fundraiser for the Parsippany Troy West Little League uh, at the Parsippany PAL. So uh, lots of great stuff going on, lots of stuff. And you know what? And we're looking to get involved. We, we got our feelers out there making some phone calls. We're trying to get the Ken Reedy show uh, some involvement on June 22nd with the House of Hardcore 2 in Philadelphia, House of Hardcore 1 was amazing. We're looking to get involved there, so be sure to get your tickets for that event. So lots of events coming up, lots of stuff going on. NWA on fire, kind of getting out there, kind of, you know, partnering up with other promotions. So it's an exciting time because this is all good for professional wrestling. And as we continue with this good vibe on May 31st, Peppermill South in Congers, New York. The Ken Reedy Show presents Tap Out Cancer. 
And, you know, you're going to watch SmackDown anyway. You're going to watch NWA on fire anyway. Come on down to the Pepper Mill. Watch the shows. Have a couple drinks. Have some food. 20% of everything there is going to go to the American Cancer Society Relay for Life of Rockland County. And really fortunate, but we've had Jordan Thomas, M&J Collectibles, and Lucky 13 Collectibles have all been really kind enough to uh, donate a, a bunch of merchandise. We're getting a lot of memorabilia uh, that's going to be raffled off. We're getting so much stuff, Dave, that I think we're going to have to do is kind of put together some packages, which is kind of neat that you'll buy a raffle ticket and if you win, there's not going to be just one picture or one item uh, per raffle ticket. You're going to probably get a, a bunch of stuff. Still trying to figure that out, but didn't expect uh, the great response from, from everybody. So we got a ton of memorabilia. Uh, Steve Alf has agreed to donate a T-shirt and picture uh, to also be raffled off. And, and our friend Nunzio, you may know him, Nunzio, little Guido, uh, you know, ruthless aggression action figure. Still in the package, signed by Nunzio himself. He's donated that, so that will also be raffled off. So that's just some of the things that will be raffled off. Over the course of the month, we'll be adding stuff. So you want to come down, check that out, May 31st. Again, there's an event set up on Facebook over there. It's the Ken Reedy Show presents, or the Ken Reedy Show sponsors, Tap Out Cancer. So be sure to check that out. So, ugh. I'm out of breath. So many things to promote. So many things coming down the pike. Busy, busy season, but this is our Tuesday show. And as always, each and every week without fail, Tuesday comes after Monday. Amazing coincidence, but that's the way it pans out each and every week. So coming in on Tuesdays, we like to give you a little bit of raw talk. And uh, before we get into the Raw, just uh, an, an added thing. Coming up a little later on in the show, we have John Filipavich. And I, I, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm butchering your last name, but Filipavich, who's a producer for Barbed Wire City, an ECW documentary. And they have a, a screening going on this week in New York City. He's going to be up a little later on talking about the movie. Uh, so we can talk all about ECW, throwing it back to the old days ECW, but... Last night, three hours, Monday Night Raw, John Cena banged up Achilles. Um, you know, uh, Dave, I, I I thought it was a pretty good show. Uh, a show coming in with a, a lot of question marks, um, but I thought I thought the show was solid. Um, it should be noted that as as the Ken Reedy show, I feel bad because I'm like the odd man out now because our producer Michelle actually won the the fantasy last night. So, uh, fantasy wrestling, uh, Dave wins the first week, and our producer, Michelle, wins the second week. So, I got I to gotta step up my game here as far as the fantasy wrestling go. But fantasy wrestling aside, I thought it was a pretty decent show, Dave. Yeah. Um, for those of you who decided not to put John Cena in your uh, fantasy wrestling rosters, you were, you know, you, you made a big mistake. Um, like I said on Sunday, I'll believe it when I see it, if he's banged up and hurt but he's still going and he's still wrestling or having some involvement in the show, then, you know, I mean, that that's great. You know, I, I, I have a hard time, but you know, the minute, and this is the problem with the internet, the minute, especially with John Cena, more particularly for John Cena, the minute 
it's posted that you know, if John Cena has the flu, they'll report it and hope that he doesn't make it to TV the following week. You know what I mean? Like he had, it, we don't know the severity of the injury. We, you know, we were only told that in, in vague terms what exactly what the problem was. Now, as I heard this morning, it's a a, a bruised heel. So it's gone from an Achilles injury to a bruised heel. Well, okay, so I'm sorry for all you fans out there, the Internet fans, the fans who hate on John Cena, but John Cena is still going to be on television. He's still going to be the WWE champion, and they're going to find a way to work around it so that he could be on television so that people could buy more of his T-shirts and the ratings will still stay, stay the same with John Cena there. Okay? So I apologize. Sorry, folks, but he's still going to be there. Other than that, I thought it was a solid show. The Shield had some great involvement in it. Um, I kind of like the Ryback twist where he just disappeared. And the minute he showed up, everyone online said, well, oh, Ryback's the leader of the Shield now, you know, just because he came back. I mean, overall, I mean, some some great matches. Orton and Cody Rhodes was great. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the six-man tag, the main event at the end was good, with, you know, like I said, with the Shield. Um, the, the Kofi Dolph Ziggler never disappoints. Even the opening match, the uh, the, um, the triple threat with the managers and the bodyguard or whatever to determine the stipulation with Ricardo and Zeb and Big E Langston, that was a fun match, you know. So I thought it was a really good show and it helped build towards we, – we've kind of, in a way, we're three weeks removed from WrestleMania – and, you know, people really don't forget about WrestleMania, but now it, that was more focus put on extreme rules and, you know, few stipulations were made, like the ladder match and, you know, other stuff. So, overall, I enjoyed the show. I like, Yeah, and, and you, you gave us a lot of stuff there, David. Let's, let's break it down. Uh, you know, first off, talking about John Cena. And, you know, I mean, who knows how much pain he's in? Who knows what the severity is? You know, I mean, look, I, I think we all – you know, maybe don't know for a fact, but pretty well think that the the WWE likes to float stuff out there just to, you know, I mean, that was the whole buzz. And who knows if it helped with the ratings. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it would, but, you know, it created a buzz going into Monday Night Raw. What is John Cena's uh, health status? So, you know, bruised heel, the Achilles soreness, whatever the case is, you know, he's John Cena and, you know, he should be admired as a guy who will, like, play through that kind of pain. I mean, we don't know what kind of pain he is. You know, even a bruise can be very painful. So, uh, you know, he's able to go. He's able to go. He pushes through it. So, uh, you know, I think he's he's a guy that, you know, there are some people you meet over, over the years, and they're rare, but guys that are athletes that are just, uh, you know, freaks of nature. And, and John Cena – you know, is is kind of one of those guys that even even something that might sideline someone else for a long period of time, it just seems like John Cena is the guy that'll be able to uh, come back quicker than than most mere mortals. Um, but one of the things I'd like to point out about John Cena, and you know, it, it's funny because you know, look, I, I get it. I, I get, I don't get the visceral hatred of, of John Cena. I get. You know, sometimes he comes out and cuts a promo, and and it's a little cheesy. I get it. I get sometimes, you know, when he when he loses a match and at a pay per view, and the next night he comes out on Raw and he's 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 cutting corny jokes. I get it. I get I get the jorts. I get the you know I get where he wouldn't be your your favorite wrestler. Um, you know, I I think he gets it. You know, there's this like visceral real hatred from a lot of fans, which uh. 
you know, to me, uh, you know, it, it's 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 just a bit much. And, and one of the things last night that, you know, when you saw John Cena out there with the Make-A-Wish kids, and you just, you realize why he's the face of the company. And really, no other guy fits the bill right now. Uh, you know, he just, he is, it's it's a multi-billion dollar global multimedia conglomerate that, that the WWE is, that John Cena is just the guy. Um, and, and, and it just stuck out, you know, when I thought about the roster, and I'm watching that moment, and it was a great moment, and he got the crowd going, and the kids were excited, and uh, it was just really cool to see. And, you know, it was just, I I don't know, Dave, I, I looked at that moment, and I'm like, you know, I don't know who else could really do it as well as he does. And and that's why, you know, those are the reasons, and, and a lot of the reasons he's the number one guy in the company is the stuff that goes on outside of the ring, outside of TV, but it's still important. And so he is the he's the face of the company. He's the figurehead of that company. And, you know, it's moments like that where you, you just look at it and you're like, yeah, that that's the reason that he's he's the face of the company. I thought it was a really cool moment with the kids, Dave. I thought it was awesome, and uh, you know, I mean, like you said, you know, they're really you really can't. I mean, we don't know these, you know, most of these, if all of these guys personally, but you know, we don't know how well somebody else could handle being in that spot, especially with children who are sick and could be dying, you know, any minute, any day now. Um, you know, well, the first thing that came to mind when I saw that segment, of course, was, you know, it's a, it's a pretty cool moment for those kids, you know. Not, not that I wish that I would had my own, you know, illness or sickness, but that would be pretty cool as a fan to have something like that happen to you. But for these for these brave kids who are fighting whatever, you know, their respective diseases, um, you know, that, that, that just – that washed away everything that they have been through, you know, at least in my opinion, just by the looks on their faces and, of course, on John Cena's face. Another thing that came to mind, too, when I saw that was, you know, John Cena has made so many of these wishes and granted so many of these wishes. In fact, he's the, the, the largest wish granter um, in the WWE, if not for all of Make-A-Wish, I believe. And uh, the one thing that came to mind for me was, how does he how how does he do it? Because uh, let, let's face it, like when I watch the video on YouTube of Cena surprising the kid on the Today Show, like I got a little choked up, you know, because of the, the the story and the you know the you can see the kid crying and the parents are crying. How how could how does he handle that? You know, and it's not something that I'd like to know, but it's it, it, it I'm I'm a little curious. Is like. How how do you do it? You know, how do you put up that that front or that 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 big that that smiley face for this kid that's, you know, practically going to die soon or, you know, or who's definitely ill, you know what I mean? Like, does he, like, I mean, kudos to him, you know. If, and we we talk a lot about John Cena on this show. A lot of shows talk about John Cena, but, you know, a lot of shows also bash John Cena. But, you know, he does a hell of a job with this. And I don't know how anybody can maintain their composure going through something like this. And he's done 300 of these at plus. So, you know, my hat's off to you. Yeah, I got. I mean, I agree, and and you know we're we're man enough here on this show to admit. I mean, I watched it too, and I was getting a little choked up. I made the mistake of watching it at work, 
I'm watching this thing on the Today Show on my phone. I'm like, I'm getting choked up. I mean, there are people around. I got I to gotta hide somewhere. I mean, it's, you know, you're right. I mean, the emotional toll it's got to take on John Cena. And when you think about the Make-A-Wish Foundation, I mean, here's an organization that started in 1980. You know, an organization that's been around for a while. And John Cena is the guy who's granted more wishes than anyone else in history. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. You know, I mean, he he, he kind of gave everyone a, a you know twenty year head start, or give or take, and uh, you know he's like caught up and surpassed everyone who's who's given wishes. So I mean, but I it's a really good point, Dave. I mean, you know, I can't imagine the emotional toll it takes on him, and how many wishes has he granted that the children just aren't here anymore? You know that they they lost their battle. Um, it just it amazes me that he's he's able to continue to do this, and you can tell when he came out that this is just this is his cause. I mean, he is he is very passionate about granting these wishes. Uh, you know, it just it just was really a, a cool moment, and, and good for him. And and again, I, that's why you know it's those things that that's why he's the face of the company. And when you look at like a show like last night, and and that's you know when when wrestling is good and when the WWE is good, you know you you have choices. And we've talked about before on the show that a lot of times I think John Cena gets gets the bulk of the criticism because if the product is terrible, it's all John Cena's fault. Because and the good and the bad come with being the face of the company. Last night was one of those shows that it illustrated that you have other guys that you can get into. So John Cena is the number one guy. But had some solid, entertaining matches, some decent storylines. As we mentioned, the fantasy early on, you know, getting fantasy points. I mean, who knew when you're putting together your wrestling fantasy team that Monday Night Raw is going to open with a triple threat match with Big E, Zeb Coulter, and Ricardo Rodriguez. I would never have bet on that. And not only do they, they just put this match together, which is just, I mean, on paper, on paper, you're thinking that is just an awful idea. In the grand scheme of things, look, it wasn't going to win any match of the year awards, but entertaining, facilitated the story. I thought it was a interesting, unique way to kick off Monday Night Raw. And when we talk about, like, putting a show together, it hooked you. As a fan, it brought you in. It was something different, something you didn't expect to see uh, opening up Monday Night Raw. So, not a great match, but an entertaining match. But, Dave, you mentioned some matches. I thought we saw some really, really, really good wrestling on last night's program. Uh, Kofi Ziggler, always good. And uh, Cody Rhodes, Randy Orton, uh, also another excellent match out of the two of them. Yeah, um, you know, it was interesting about the opening segment, too. Um, I don't know if many people caught on, but Ricardo Rodriguez and Alberto Del Rio did a knockoff of uh, uh, the, uh, the the Billy and Chuck and Rico uh, group. Uh, if you saw that Ricardo had the sideburns with the, the leopard pants and, Robert, and uh, Alberto Del Rio had a headband that said Alley, like Billy Gunn. Like, it, it was actually pretty funny. But what was good about that, too, was is that when – Ricardo won, and the stipulation, you know, went in the favor of Del Rio. They didn't do it right away. They got it, you know, they dragged it out through the show. So what's Alberto Del Rio going to, you know, 
choose for his stipulation and extreme rule that got you interested so that, okay, well, Ricardo wanted the beginning of the show. Now we got to wait to tune in an hour, hour and a half later for Del Rio to figure out the stipulation, which I thought was a smart move. Um, Kofi and Ziggler, yeah, didn't disappoint. Randy Orton and Cody Rhodes was awesome. And, you know, I've said this a long time about Cody Rhodes, but Cody Rhodes, in my opinion, you know, he's, he's main event world championship material. I think he needs a little more oomph to his character, and it's not because of the mustache. Everyone thinks the mustache is super over. I could care less what kind of facial hair the guy's got. But in ring, the guy the guy can carry his own, carry his own weight, and he did with a with a, a world-class athlete like Randy Orton. They just got such great chemistry together when they wrestled, and it was a, it was a really good match that got time and – it got everybody into it. The, the audience was into it. It was a good finish. Um, you know, a lot of people on the internet will say, oh, they're jobbing Cody out. Well, you know, you were excited when you watched it, right? Did you, you know, like, the internet criticism after last night's Raw was just horrendous when I read it this morning. Um, but uh, I thought those segments were great, and, they and uh, you know, they told a good story. And, um, you know, that, that's just that's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're going to be critical of of the show last night, and I, I don't, I again, I thought it was a solid show in and of itself. You know, I thought the matches were solid. I mean, look, even even the the divas match with uh, the Bellas, I mean, I thought it was entertaining. Um, you know, I thought I thought we, you had some good stuff. Uh, you know, I, I guess you could be critical, uh, maybe, of the uh, tug of war. I mean, I, I didn't, can't say I was into it, but I didn't hate it. I, I, when you look at kind of the subtext of of what happened on Monday Night Raw, and as you're talking about Cody Rhodes, if I if I were to, to criticize, it was it wouldn't be so much to criticize the actual product and the actual show, but it would be to ask the question with a guy like Cody Rhodes and a guy like Cesaro. Where exactly are they going with these guys? Two guys that I, you and I, Dave, I think we're in total agreement that both of them, if not main eventers, damn near close. Uh, physically gifted, very gifted competitors. Um, we've talked a lot about pound for pound John Cena being the strongest guy in wrestling. Pound for pound a guy like Cesaro may take that title. Um, very talented individuals, both coming up short in their matches last night, both lacking a substantial program at the time being. Um, you just wonder, like, the upside of these two guys is tremendous. And, again, not criticizing the show because I thought they had good matches. I just found myself coming out of Monday Night Raw thinking, well, where are you going with these guys? Because these guys are great. Yeah, I mean, here's here's a couple of things, you know, when it comes to specifically those two. And you could say for, for, for many others, the WWE, a lot of times when they bring guys in, you know, newer guys, if, they from, or if they're from developmental or if they, you know, back in the day, if they were from, you know, one of the other big companies, you know, they would start them off real hot and get the audience like, you know, kind of, give them a taste of what, you know, they're really all about. But then they pull the reins back on them. And they've done this a lot more since, like, I want to say 2004, with, with ever since Brock Lesnar had left, where they just they, they push a guy and, and they give him a lot of valuable television time. And, and if the guy's got a, a, a 
pretty strong, decent feud or a title run. They get to the end of that, and then after that, they just kind of like fade slowly away. And it seems they've done that with Cody Rhodes, but more specifically Antonio Cesaro. Um, the other thing that is it's possible with these two guys, specifically Cesaro, is it seems like, you know, and I've read reports, this, I read reports in list this morning that Cesaro, they, people think he's in the doghouse with the company, but he's really not. Um, this could be just a way of WWE creative and officials not being so sure what they want to do with guys. They they start a push, they stop a push, they start a push, they stop a push. That seems to it seems to be pretty accurate the way it comes across on television that what they want to do. I mean, Kofi Kingston won the United States title two weeks ago. Granted, yes, he lost to the world heavyweight champion. But where they're putting guys with who and what, it's almost like they don't have a, 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 a there really isn't a long-term plan when it comes to mid-card guys, you know. And I read it somewhere on a big, you know, Facebook page um, earlier today that they kind of have taken the mid-card guys, pushed them off to the side, but, you know, moved the World Heavyweight Championship up in larger stature. You know, people were complaining, oh, Ziggler lost the week before. Now he gets his win, but guess what? You're complaining that Kofi, <laughs> the United States champion, is losing. You know what I mean? Nobody wins. You know what I mean? Nobody wins. So I think it's just WWE creative not knowing what they want to do with certain guys. Like I said, start and stop pushes and – I mean, eventually it's gonna eventually it's gonna hurt, but at the same time, though, they can always rebuild that character back up. And you know, a year from now, casual fans won't remember what happened. Yes, the hardcore fans, the guys that sit behind the keyboards, they will remember everything. So, and like Bill After said, you know, on 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 our, on our show recently, you know, don't listen to the internet audience. Agreed. And, you know, and it's funny when you think about it. I mean, you brought up a, a, a few guys, you know, it's, and, and you just, you wonder. You wonder what's going on there. You wonder what the politics are involved with, uh, you know, everything going on there. But, you know, it, it, like you could put the three of them in a program for uh, the U.S. title. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Kofi, Cesaro, and Rhodes in a program together. Those matches would be insane. Hell, put them all in a triple threat match for the title. Um, yeah, it just I mean, that was just it. And again, I thought everything that they did last night was good, and I thought it was entertaining, and I was engaged in the moment. I just found myself wondering uh, what exactly they're going to do going forward with those characters. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. We're going to take a commercial break, and then we're going to talk a little Barb Dwyer City after the break. The word is spreading. More and more people are switching to Ambit Energy. Well, one of my neighbors switched, and then I switched. Now the whole neighborhood has Ambit. Who doesn't want to save money? The word is spreading. Switching to Ambit Energy is rewarding in more ways than one. I signed up and got a travel award. That's nice. Oh, I get to save on energy and on travel? There's a cruise for two out there just a few thousand kilowatts away. I can almost smell the sunscreen. The word is spreading. Ambit Energy even lets you earn free energy. When I get 15 friends to switch, I get free energy. 
I have two friends. At least I think I do. Hey, I'd be telling people to switch to Ambit anyway. If you'd like to switch to Ambit Energy, listen to the following contact information closely. Then spread the word. Joe Miller is an Ambit Energy independent consultant. If you want to upgrade or be a consultant, visit his website, mainline.joinambit.com. That's mainline.joinambit.com. Ambit is available in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Texas, and California. So check out Ambit Energy. And right now we have Joe Filipavage on the line, and he's going to be talking. He's the producer of Barbed Wire City, the unauthorized story of extreme championship wrestling. John, are you there? Yeah. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Doing all right. How are you? I apologize. Did I get the last name right? Yeah, you got yeah. John Philip Havage, you got it. Philip Havage. All right, good. I wasn't sure. But thanks for, for spending some time with us. Um, you know, if you haven't checked it out already, guys, you gotta go and check out BobWireCity.com. At least see the trailer. Um I haven't gotten to see the film yet, but it looks tremendous. Uh give us a little bit of what went into the the making of this film, why you decided to do a documentary with ECW, just uh Give us a little bit of the history behind this. Okay, as briefly as I can, because I could go on uh, forever. Um, I was a wrestling fan when I was younger. Um, <clears throat> my partner, Kevin Kiernan, was not. Uh, we, we had made a few mockumentaries when we were teenagers. Um, and when we were 19, I pitched to him the idea of making a real documentary about ECW. Uh, the company still existed at the time. Um, and I, uh, the original idea was something, you know, very different. It was a lot, you know, kind of fluffier. It was more about the culture uh, surrounding the ECW arena. Um, you know, it's kind of like a carnival when you go to that thing during its heyday. Uh, it was an interesting, you know, you know, subsection of people and, 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 uh, community atmosphere. And I kind of wanted to document that. And then it just kind of rolled out of that. And we wanted to do something with a little bit more, you know, integrity, a little bit more journalistic and, you know, it just took us forever to, to get it done. But actually that ended up really, really working out because we were able to, uh, kind of juxtaposition between, the history and uh, a reunion show that we shot last year. Very cool. So, uh, as far as in the film, do you have uh, how, you have a lot of interviews with uh, ECW talent? Uh, give, take us a little bit into the movie. Yeah, I mean, we tried to take a real holistic approach. I wanted to do something that was kind of different than than wrestling documentaries could had been because there's kind of this divide between like wrestling videos or you know stuff produced within the industry that they put the tag documentary on and, you know, actual kind of like outside documentaries, which are, you know, tend to be more like real basic about wrestling. So we wanted to do something kind of in the middle of that. So we got a bunch of wrestling talent. We got a lot of staff from ECW, a lot of people involved in it. We got journalists that cover wrestling full time. And especially in the nineties, we're talking to Paul Heyman on an almost daily basis. And we got some of the fans. We wanted to put a human face, on the fans because people talk so much about the fans. But I really think if you're a person who wasn't really involved with ECW or just doesn't know anything about it, um, we wanted to make a movie that was really accessible to anybody, not just wrestling fans. And you've got to put a face on these people. So we got, you know, one in particular, Tony Lewis from New York, who was very influential in getting them back on, uh, well, actually getting them on pay-per-view. Well, what's, what's it been like uh, interacting and working with Paul Heyman? Oh, I, I, you know what, we, uh, I've, I had brief emails with uh, Paul Heyman years ago, but uh, we, we covered him, I think, very fairly uh, without him actually uh, sitting for an interview with us. 
he's a really elusive guy. You know, so there's footage of Paul in there. He's talking in there. There's a lot of people giving you all the sides about him, uh, from friends to you know journalists to wrestlers. But Paul Heyman did not sit for an interview for this film. And it's really interesting, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the film because uh, you, you do bring up a, a really good point. I mean, you know, there, there are documentaries out there that are kind of skewed a certain way because wrestling companies are putting the documentaries out, and this seems like a very uh, fair journalistic look at at what ECW was and we were talking about it on Sunday a bit on how like you said if you didn't live through that era it's it's really difficult to convey uh how much of a a cult like almost atmosphere uh it had during the the ECW uh heyday um you have yeah. good oh yeah well, it's just that's the thing especially um i mean a lot of, not a lot of people, but we've, we've had a bunch of people who don't really know anything about wrestling who are just interested in, you know, documentaries or subcultures watch it, and they can't even believe that it existed. They think it's, they think it's fascinating because I think wrestling fans really accept some of the crazier things. It's just it's kind of normal that people die in wrestling or it's just kind of normal, you know, to see a chair shot or, or blood um, or some of the things that were going on or just the, the atmosphere of the fans and the craziness of the shows and the footage that we have in it. Um it's shocking to people if you didn't either A, live through it, or B, if you didn't even know about it. Have you, I'm curious, have you gotten to see the reaction of any um, perhaps younger fans, fans that have, have grown up watching wrestling in the PG era, uh, what, what their thoughts were of seeing something like this? A little bit. There were some at our premiere in Philadelphia uh, where it was kind of their uncle's wrestling, or they, they had watched it uh, post it, it folding. So they had seen it, but they didn't live through it. Um, I mean, wrestling fans tend to like it. I think it's interesting because we don't have narration. Uh, we, we have 46 people in the film uh, who we present and uh, have interviews with, but we don't lead you anywhere. So there's a lot of subtext, and there's a lot of things that you could, I mean, some people walk away going, you know, it's a tragedy, it's so sobering, you know, it's a sad story. Which it is. But there's other people who, like, you know, I talked to people that night at the premiere who just love ECW, and they found it comforting in some way to see the story. You know, so you get a, you get a wide kind of swath of, of reaction. And that, that's encouraging to hear because I, I do feel like, and not just in wrestling, but, uh, you know, true documentary filmmaking is just that. You document, and then you let the yeah. audience draw its own conclusion. And a lot of documentaries nowadays, uh, they do try and lead the audience in a certain direction or develop a certain opinion by the end. So, uh, again, really looking forward to seeing this film. Um, I'm curious your thoughts, because we had Tommy Dreamer on the show a while back, and I asked him, I said, do you think that something like or something close to ECW can ever happen again? And Really, without taking a breath, he just said, no, there's no way. Um, I, I, I would have taken less than a breath as well and said no. <laughs> I just, it, it was, this, you know, this film kind of documents, it's a, it's a, win, it's a snapshot of a bygone era. Um, you can do things that, that are kind of, I guess, similar in feel. Um, I, I guess it depends on whether, whether you're asking, you know, as far as like a hardcore promotion or whether you're as, as kind of a phenomenon. The problem with hardcore is that it's very passe at this point, um, and the landscape of, you know, not just wrestling, but the world has changed. I mean, the things that were allowed to go on in the 90s, they just don't really go on today, and they're kind of like, people are taken aback when you see those things. And as far as the phenomenon goes, 
it's really hard because the landscape is so cluttered. Because we have Twitter, because we have Facebook, because we're always talking uh, on you know cell phones and text messages, and you're so inundated with information all the time that it's really hard for for one thing to stick, um, gain kind of a that cold following and maintain. The maintaining is the really hard part. Um, well, if you had to peg uh, one thing or a couple things that, uh, in your opinion, really was led to the demise of ECW, what would it be? Oh, it's it's like eight things, but um, major things include, um, well, I mean, if you want to simplify it, it was a niche product. It was something for, um, they said adult, it was an adult product. It was more of like, in you know, a college age, older teenage product. Um, it's not something that translated on a wider scale because this whole appeal was being uh, this special thing. It's kind of like the band you saw at, you know, in your hometown that rose to prominence. And once it rose to prominence, it loses some of that appeal to its base audience. Um, it was very violent. It's, it would have been really hard to maintain that, especially with diminishing returns. You know, how many chair shots can you do? How many tables can you do? Uh, economically, um, they were paying out a lot because they had to put people under contract to be on TNN, um, but they didn't have a good deal with TNN anyway. Um, the television landscape, even if they could have gotten a deal, would have been tough because now you're touring nationally and you're hoping to make the, the money back on house shows. That became a problem, even though their houses did increase. So and I'm sure I'm missing like three or four things, you know, keeping talent under contract. You know, we were in the middle of a wrestling boom, which helped, which, you know, ECW definitely was a part of, you know, even if they're somewhat uncredited in the mainstream with that. But that the business was about to fall off even so after WWE bought everything and it kind of became this giant monolithic corporation. So it was, it was like this little supernova in time that just kind of shot through the sky and exploded, and it would have been really hard to maintain it. They would have had to evolve, uh, probably outside of the hardcore thing, and, and kept some, some of their audience base while gaining another. Are you still a fan of wrestling? Do you still watch? Um, yeah, I keep up with it, but I don't watch it a lot. It's weird. My relationship has completely changed to it. And especially with doing the documentary, it's like the last thing I want to do at the end of the day is sit down and watch more wrestling a lot of times. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I try to keep, uh, WrestleMania season, I always peek in because that, you know, this year I wasn't super happy with it. But usually that's when all the interesting storylines happen and things peak. And, you know, you, even this year you got some bright spots. Um, I don't watch week to week, though. And I definitely, I was a big in, uh, fan of indie wrestling uh, after the bankruptcy of ECW and, I really don't go to indie shows a lot anymore. You know, it just it doesn't hook me as much. I got a question for you. What um, there's you know in the process of going through all this and you know your thoughts with um, you know how you want the documentary or movie to 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 come across the television screen. What were some some expectations of yours going into it, and what were some things that you didn't expect? to come to, to, to unfold during all this, but still made for a good movie and documentary? Yeah, well, we fell into so much stuff. It just kind of worked out. I mean, you re like I said, the narrative kind of changed a million times between the, the start date and, and finally finishing the movie and going, is this, is this what we want to present to people? Is this what we want, you know, we want to put out? Okay, it's time. Um, I mean, we fell in and we have kind of a dual narrative with, uh, the, the, the stuff from before, the, you know, the, the history part, 
along with the the um, the reunion that we shot, uh, which I thought was really interesting. We went to tr- we went to that to just try to get a few interviews we had missed from different people, and uh, it ended up where we were we ended up getting people that we had gotten years ago, and we realized well this is interesting not only to see these guys get back together one more time try try to relive that 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 glory period long past its time, you know. 2,000 people came to the show, so it, you know, and it was in Philadelphia, so it had some relevancy to, to what we were presenting. Um, but I didn't expect that uh, a big part of the, the story would be kind of this dual narrative of these guys trying to have one last hurrah along with what had happened previously. That was like a huge thing. So, you know, I don't even – every time I expect something, it, it changed. You know what I mean? It just got turned on its now, head. Now, one more question for you from, from, from yeah. me. Um, with all you know, there's been a lot of ECW style reunion shows, and you know, um, other you know, I remember Jeremy Borash put out uh, you know a hardcore homecoming uh, documentary, and you know the WWE did a few ECW uh, you know throwback shows, um, and it's been 13 years since the promotion had closed down. Do you think that this trend and TNA did it as well too? I forgot to mention that. Do you think that this trend of continuing these shows, these, these these reunion shows, is still going to go on, um, you know, in years to come? Or do you think at some point it's just going to, you know, eventually people are going to be, I wouldn't say sick of, but, you know, they're, they're not going to want to go see a reunion show as much as they did a few years prior? I'm surprised that the one that we covered, that we documented, there's 2,000 people. You know, like, I wouldn't have gone if I wasn't working it, you know. Um, I'm, you know, I'm surprised that, that the legacy lives on in different ways for different people. I mean, I just find it a fascinating story, but, in, you know, in, in the process of doing this, I kind of take off uh, the whole wrestling fat fan hat and put on the, you know, the documentary filmmaker hat. And certainly Kevin Kiernan, my partner, he's not a fan. He appreciates the art of it, but it's not something that he does in his off time. So I was, I'm still shocked, you know, that people perceive it some of the ways that they still do. Um, I'm not exactly sure what to attribute that to. I just think people want to look back at something special and recapture it, I guess. I do think that after the extreme reunion slash extreme rising problems, that that might be it, but I've thought that before. You know, I never thought that there would be anything after uh, the one-night stand thing in 2005, and then they tried to uh, the ill-fated attempt by WWE to, to restart the, the brand name. It kind of surprised me. So, I mean, I don't know. It lives on, and I'm not exactly sure why, but it is kind of a fascinating phenomenon. It definitely says something about their legacy. Well, I'm really excited to see it. Uh, it sounds like a great documentary, and it's it's the uh, the film fan in me is excited because it seems like a real true documentary, and the wrestling fan's excited. So uh, you have an event uh, this weekend, so before we let you go, uh, plug away, my friend. Absolutely. If you want to check out the DVD, go to barbwirecity.com. Uh, we should have direct downloads up very shortly. Uh, we're still kind of waiting on the easiest process to do that because the template was not as user-friendly as we would have liked. Um, so that should be up in the next few days. Uh, yeah, uh, we have a big screening in Manhattan, which is just crazy to me. Um, at the Gramercy Theater this Saturday, uh, May 4th, doors open at 11 a.m. It's a noon start time, so you can go watch it and and, uh, you know, there'll be a Q&A afterwards, and you can get home probably by 4 or 5 o'clock. Um, and for me, it's, uh, tickets are through Ticketmaster. 
And the Gramercy Theater box office, if you're in New York and you don't want to pay service charges, um, yeah, and you can get tickets at the door if you walk up. And we have some of this information on barbwirecity.com on the front page in an article, or you can just Google Barbwire City uh, NYC, you know, and you know things will pop up. So you can get tickets that way too. All right, John, thanks a lot for giving us some time. Good luck with everything with the film, and uh, look forward to seeing it. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Take care. Wow, you know, Dave, good stuff, man. You know, it, it it's funny because when you look at things, uh, you know, there's a lot of criticism nowadays. And I brought up in the interview with with uh, documentary filmmaking, and uh, you know, one of the guys that falls under a lot of criticism, uh, Michael Moore, and uh, you know, that true documentary filmmaking is to document and see where it goes. And you could tell the way John was talking that it, you know. The movie scene, it seems like the movie went in a number of different directions, but that's that's awesome because that's true documentary filmmaking. Um, you know, for better or worse, it's great that the WWE owns just about everything nowadays, um, so you get to see a lot of stuff. But let's face it, a lot of the stuff that you see is, is skewed in a certain direction, and I'm, I'm really excited to see something that's uh, kind of an objective documentary on... Uh, what happened in, in ECW. Uh, sounds like really cool stuff, Dave. Yeah, the uh, when I watched the trailer the other day, um, what I liked about it, too, you know, I like to hear all sides of the story, and I've seen the WWE's version of the ECW documentary. I, I own the, um, the, the hardcore homecoming that uh, was produced by um, Jeremy Borash back in uh, 2005, uh, Jeremy Borash from TNA. And, uh, you know, I liked how there's different, views and opinions, you know, some guys that weren't on the WWE documentary were on that documentary, and now the people that are on this documentary, that are in this documentary, weren't on the other two, so like, you know, you saw Mike Johnson from, uh, you know, Pro Wrestling Insider, Mike Johnson used to work for ECW, you know, you see other, you know, older interviews, there was a, there was a clip on there of, um, you know, from of Balls Mahoney, um, where they spoke to him shortly after the promotion had shut down. And, you know, I, I like to hear the different sides of the story, you know, whether it's true or not, everyone's got an opinion, everyone's got a story about it and their view on it and what they think. And it does make for a good um, presentation, at least in my opinion. And um, it's just remarkable how, like I said, 13 years ago this promotion had shut down and, we're still doing, you know, the wrestling industry in some ways is still doing reunion shows about this promotion. Obviously, they can't say it in name uh, because the WWE owns the rights to the name ECW. But it's just remarkable that, like, and, and in some ways it gives some of these guys paydays, you know, to, to go out there and do what they do what they love, you know, because some of those guys could not get jobs, you know, on the mainstream because they were part of that niche you know, product that ECW was. So it, 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 in some ways it's good, but for other fans, you know, it's like, all right, well, this is like the 12th ECW reunion show. How many more of these are they going to do, you know? I, I could see, you know, different points of view of it. But overall, I, I'm looking forward to seeing this because I think, you know, what, what John said earlier about, you know, the um, how things fell into his lap, but I'm really looking forward to see how the, the whole thing came about. Yeah, and I'm telling you, I mean, I'm not going to tell anyone, you know, you have to go and spend your hard-earned money and buy it, but I will say this, go, go right now, go to barbedwirecity.com, check out the website, and just watch the trailer. 
Because it is one of those trailers that, I, to me, it, it sells the movie. Uh, it just seems like a really intriguing movie. And if you're a wrestling fan, uh, you're probably going to want to pick that up. So I tell you, just go right now to the website. Watch the extended trailer. Uh, make up your own mind. But uh looks like it's going to be quite an interesting documentary. And again, thanks a lot, John Filipovich, for uh, spending a few with us and uh, talking ECW, Barbed Wire City, and let's... Let's head out to the phones. You know, we talked about Monday Night Raw. We talked about NWA on Fire and PWS and all this great interaction going on. We talked a lot of ECW uh, just now. So whatever you want to talk about, give us a call, 347-838-9815. And we're going to kick it off right now with Tony. Tony, are you there? Hey, guys. How you doing, buddy? What do you got for us? Uh, all right. That was... Uh... Again, good interview. Well, we have definitely improvement over the ones from the other night. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it, you know, interesting. I'm, I'm definitely uh, hoping to uh, to get that. You know, to get that this documentary when it comes out. You know, it sounds like I say. It sounds it sounds really interesting. You know, like I say, I wasn't like I said the other night. I wasn't a fan back in the day, but you know when it was on. But I, you know, like I've seen it. Obviously, watched a lot of ECW since, and I can see why the fan. You know, like. A lot of the you know, like the fans who were, you know, who were around then, you know, I could I could see why they were why they really got into the, why they really got into the product because it was it was you know, it was it was definitely different, you know. Um, you it's know, and, amazing, like looking back when you watch some of the old footage because even, even living through it, I mean, you know, in that time period with the the two major companies battling each other and and each company trying to outdo the other one, and you had you know, Mick Foley going off the top of the the steel cage, and you had, like, crazy stuff happening in wrestling. And, and sometimes, you know, I mean, ECW was probably the craziest of them all, but it was it was another wrestling boom. And I don't know if, if a lot of fans realized what was happening when it was happening. Now, living through the PG era, man, when you go back and watch some of that ECW stuff, Oh my God! It's just—it really is insane. Like, yeah, that happened, and and it happened with a certain amount of regularity. Like, if you saw something ultra violent, it wasn't like that was a special occasion on ECW. That was, you know, normalcy. That was every match something crazy was going on. Uh, you know, it's 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 interesting that you both brought that up about, you know, the ECW. You know, I purchased a few ECW DVDs from uh, RF Video while I was um, at the Pro Wrestling Syndicate show. I purchased quite a few, actually. And, uh, you know, because I've seen some of the stuff, but I, was, I, I wasn't like a fan in the heyday when it was on. I tried to catch it, but watching some of the stuff, it's unedited. It's not the stuff that the WWE puts out. It's, um, you know, it's got the original content, music, the, the commentating is the same. And... When watching a pay-per-view, to be honest with you, like when you watch a WWE pay-per-view or even a WCW pay-per-view, you know, back in the day and TNA to a certain extent, you never really got like, there would be like big like, oh my God moments kind of thing where it's like, oh wow, like this guy returned or oh wow, this guy jumped off this ladder through four tables or whatever. But when you watch an ECW, you had, like, those kind of moments all the time. And there was a lot of unpredictability and different stuff that they did, you know. If they had a match going on between two guys and somebody interfered, 
it was, you know, and then another guy jumped in. They would go to like an impromptu match, like right then and there. It's almost like you never knew what was going to happen when you watched an ECW pay-per-view, you know. You never know who was going to show up or, or, if, or if a new match was going to be made. You know, things were always changing on the fly. Whether that was how they wanted us to, to, to present it to the audience is a different story because we've all heard stories about guys disappearing and walking out on the company or whatever, but it gave you an unpredictability factor of, like, you never know what's going to happen. In these two hours, you've got to sit back and watch it. You'll get advertised match A and advertised match B, but – you may get an unadvertised match seat if I blow the two of them out of the water. So it, 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 I, I can't stress enough with both of you and agree with both of you that just the, the vibe that it brought to the audience and, and how, like, like we've said, it's a niche product, but it was something so special that you had to be there in, in, in person or to watch it on television to really feel and experience it. You do, yeah, I, absolutely. You know, it's uh, and, uh, like I say, I was I, I have a few of the uh, actually have the first three pay per views from uh, RF Video, you know, with the uncut too. So you know, I you know barely legal. I have uh, you know, I mean, I even you know, like I have the Rise of Paul ECW documentary too, and the uh, Forever Hardcore. Um, they were you know they were alright, but you know, like I said, this this one sounds like it's going to be better. You know, like it's going to be the best one. But uh, you know, like, like I said, everything about ECW was you know, like I said, you know, it's like a guys ran in or during a match or whatever, you know, it would turn into like a three-way or a four-way or whatever, and it's like, you know, it's like everything would, you know, it's like a lot of, a lot would happen. It was just like, you know, Joe was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it just goes to show you, you know, it's influence. I mean, we, you know, every so often we do hit the the history of the business, and, you know, this Sunday we're going to do a kind of a retrospective on the WWE title, but, you know, above everything else, you know, you'll reference at times the Monday Night Wars. Uh, you know, you, you'll talk maybe about uh, Hogan turning or, or, or moments, uh, you know, in the Attitude Era. But, man, you, you start getting people talking about ECW, and it's still this long after the fact. Still. It's 2013, and, and we're excited about a documentary, and we're sitting here, and you call in, and, you, and we're just talking about uh, – what ECW did, and, and it's like one of those things, you know, in, in history, and whether it's wrestling history or anything else, uh, you just, you don't really realize uh, what's happening in the moment. It's only after the fact that you realize, wow, that really changed things a lot, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's amazing what they've done. It's amazing what uh, some of the stars coming out of ECW have done uh, afterwards, Uh and it's still like fans of ECW still have that rabid connection uh, to to that product. It's it's unbelievable. It should be a really good uh, documentary. You got anything else for us tonight, Tony? Um, I don't know. But, uh, I guess the, like I I did watch Raw last night again too. You know, I, I I agree with you guys. I thought it was a solid show. Uh, Randy Orton and Cody Rhodes was probably you know, like my best part of the show. That that and uh, Kofi and uh, Ziggler. Were probably like the two best matches, and of course, you know, seeing them being out there with the Make a Wish kids was really was a really touching moment. Um, you know, I, you know, I mean, I mean, say what you will about seeing his character, but the guy, you know, it's like I really admire. You know, you gotta admire the guy for what he does for the, you know, for, for the Make a Wish and all that stuff. You know, I'm just, you know that's he, funny. He, he, I mean, as, as a wrestling it. fan, I guess you know it's part of it. Like I'm, I'm willing to take. I'm okay with taking the good with the bad. Um, you know, there's a lot of Cena matches. You know, I'm, I may not be wowed. 
I'm not going to watch a lot of Cena matches and and reminisce about you know Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat, but uh, you know you, you take everything with with what that guy brings to the table, and uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty special moment. Uh, what I what I find interesting, you, you bring up, you know, how often we're talking matches. How often does Kofi Kingston, um, you know, have to have you know have to be part of a tremendous match before they. Uh, you know, give this guy a real legit, solid mid-card uh, program. I I agree with you. I thought that was a, a great match. Uh, I'd like to see him really get into something. Uh, you know, uh, another guy with, uh, you know, we talked earlier, some talent that's just kind of being lost. But, uh, you know, it's one of those guys right now where, I don't know about you, Tony, but you can throw, uh, as far as wrestling goes and being entertained, you could throw Kofi and uh, Ziggler in the ring every week. And it's... Uh, it's gonna be pretty damn entertaining. Oh yeah, I th- yeah, definitely. Because those, you know, I mean, those guys can go. You know, I mean, and you know, cause, you know, he was saying, you know, Kofi, you know, should be you know, like he, he deserves a better push. I mean, you know, I mean, so does Cesaro. I mean, you know, it's like he he had a, you know, like a solid match with uh, Del Rio last night. But you know, like Dave, like you were saying before, you know, it's like the whole stop start uh, pushing of the guys. You know, it's like, for, you know, it's like first it's like you know, it's like okay, if the guys are always like Cesaro, now all of a sudden he's he's you know he's always losing and it's. It's it's like you know it's like okay now he doesn't matter so it's like when they do put when they do want to push him it's like the fans are gonna be like sometimes you know, like the fans are gonna remember it's like hey wait a minute you told <laughs> wait a minute you you just told us this guy doesn't matter so why should we take him seriously now? Yeah, and I you know again a guy who deserves better. Tony, thanks a lot for the phone call. Remember guys, Tony, the best blogger in the business, Raw SmackDown Impact. Go to thekenridyshow dot com. Check out Tony's blogs. Blogs. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, we'll talk to you Sunday, Tony. All right. Take it easy. We're going to stick with the phones. We've got a bunch of guys who have been on hold for a while, and uh, we're going to go out now. we got Mr. Trivia on the line. Come on, open up. Mr. Trivia, are you there? Yeah, how you doing, guys? Doing all right. How are you? What do you got for us? Eh, eh, not too bad. Yeah, you know, Raw last night was pretty good. Uh, I kind of figured Cena was going to show up. That's why I put him in my fantasy thing, because, you know, he's a <laughs> champion. So I figure, you know, he's going to be champion. He'll uh, he'll show up. Um, and uh, the thing with Kofi Kingston, I mean, that was that was a good match. And the Cody Rhodes match was like, God had to be one of the best of the night. I mean, the guy's a tremendous talent. I agree with Dave. You know, he's a possible world, uh, you know, class world championship uh, somewhere along the line. You know, he was right with Dolph Ziggler, and I joined on the Dolph Ziggler bandwagon. So thank you for that, Dave. <laughs> You're welcome. And and uh, but other than that, you know, it was a good uh, overall. It was a good show, and uh, you know, I this thing with John Cena, I I still think it's a work. But uh, this Alberto Del Rio triple threat match is. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I understand, like you said, Ken. They uh, they you know. One of the chances of starting out with a triple threat match like that and everything else, but why not have um, Big E in there with um, Jack Swagger and Alberto Del Rio? Why, why downplay it so to speak and have Zeb Coulter and Ricardo Rodriguez? I mean, Ricardo Rodriguez is not a wrestler, and Zeb Coulter is like 150. I remember him when he was wrestling as Dutch Mantel. He was old back then. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I I mean, I kind of you know when something like that happened and Big E Langston, you know, he's a guy that he just should have like really dominated that match. But it was it was a pretty decent match, and 
you know, I was just, you know, your thoughts on it if you guys uh, wanted to speak on that or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying uh, as far as the wrestling goes. Um, yeah, I mean, Ricardo Rodriguez is a wrestler. Uh, he's not. He doesn't wrestle often. Uh, I know. He, I you know. I'm trying to remember the character, but he, he wrestled in a lucha libre mask on a Saturday morning Slam uh, a while back. Um, so he can wrestle. I mean, I get what you're saying as far as the match goes. I I don't think it was a great match. I thought it was entertaining. Um, whether this winds up being a detriment to Big E's character down the road, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. Um, but I did think, you know, sometimes when when you're you know, asking for something different. I mean, for better or worse, I guess that was definitely something different. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. Hey, uh, guys, do you do you uh, agree that? I mean, are there differences in how you're judged as a WWE superstar? I mean, what's your take on what it bec- what it is to become a WWE superstar? Do you have to just be in the WWE, or do you have to like actually? make a name for yourself or win a match. And there's a reason for my question is because there's a wrestling organization in Connecticut, which is called CTWE. And on their next show Saturday, they have on their billing, come see WWE superstars, Bobby Lashley and Trent Beretta. And I typed back to the guy and I said, you consider Trent Beretta a WWE superstar? (laughs) I mean, the guy, I don't think he won a match when he was in the WWE. And he's like, well, he's considered a superstar because he's in the WWE. Okay, so was Gilbert. <laughs> so, I, mean, I, I mean, what's your point? The, the WWE refer, I mean, they don't say wrestler anymore. So uh, the WWE, I mean, once you're part of the roster, they refer to you as a superstar. So um, it, it's a question of uh the label versus i guess the true definition of being a a superstar um yeah as far as my opinion if i'm slapping the label a uh, superstar according to me uh yeah it takes a little bit more than just being in the WWE but uh yeah the, the WWE just calls their their guys superstars superstars in uh-huh. okay hey guys uh uh i think we all did a great job last night on the fantasy wrestling I'm still trying to trying to iron the kinks out, but other than that, I had a good time. And uh, once again, it's always a pleasure talking wrestling with you. And Ken, we'll get in touch with you this week to do the interview on the Top Rope Report about your top out for cancer. Sounds good. Thanks a lot for the call. Talk All to right, you. guys, take care. Take it easy. Yeah, fantasy wrestling. Damn it, Ricardo Rodriguez! Ah! You know, I I just I just looked at my results, you know, because I was in three. This is difficult to keep up with. I was in three leagues. I'm in the Monday night league with the ten people. I'm in the the weekly league, and then I was put in a four man league with you and uh, Anthony and his brother, the guys from Real Fantasy Wrestling. I just looked at my results. I won the four man league, apparently. Yeah, I saw that. It was funny because I, I think I came in second. So uh, at least we 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 were tops as as a show over the guys as, running. As the- a show, as a show, we've dominated that real fantasy wrestling. I won last week. Michelle wins this week. Then I won again this week again. But it, 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 it's fun. It's uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's, it gives you a new reason to watch Raw. You know what I mean? If, even if it sucks, it's like all right, you get points. You know, like I've said before, it's awesome. And and you have to do math. It keeps your yeah. brain sharp. There's math involved. Well, then that, that oh, great. <laughs> for for some funny. of our, uh, 
I'm going to ask everybody, and then you get the whole warning. You do not have enough money. Like, God damn it. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting, too. Like, I, I did three rosters. Two of my rosters, for some reason, didn't save. So I, I don't know if anybody else in the fantasy league had a problem, but I had, like, I, I one of my rosters, I had, like, Damian Sandow, and he was, like, nowhere to be found. Like, where's Sandow? You know, I, I didn't, I never picked any of these guys. So I spoke to them, though, but if anybody had any problems, you can go to Anthony from Real Fantasy Wrestling. He's he's a super cool guy. We talked for a few minutes through email last night, and he's going to take a look into it and see what's going on. But uh, I I did I did okay in one, one group, I guess, so. Yeah, realfantasywrestling.com. It's a lot of fun. Go check it out. They're, you know, they're trying to get the site off the ground, so they're running. Uh, you, know, you can get involved for free at this moment. So, you know, just just check it out. Get your feet wet. Uh, you want to get a couple people together and start a league? Uh, again, our league is is filled, but you can go over to realfantasywrestling.com and check it out. And we're gonna stick with the phones because uh, AJ, who uh, joined us on Sunday for the first time, he's back on board. AJ, you there? Yes, I am, Ken Reedy. How thanks are you guys for giving doing? us a call. Say that again? So thanks a lot for giving us a call. What do you got for us tonight? Oh, no problem. Um, it's actually a coincidence, you guys, because I was today, I, I came home, and I was in an ECW mood today. So <laughs> so about, uh, I would say, 45 minutes ago, I just put in Hardcore Huff Homecoming November Rain, and I'm watching it right now. So I find that to be a little of a coincidence. That is quite the coincidence. Are you, I mean, you're you're a bit younger than the rest of us here. I mean, are you have you followed up on the history? Are you a big ECW guy? Oh yeah, I'm a huge ECW guy. As you know, um, I know quite a few ECW superstars such as Justin Credible, Tommy Dreamer. Uh, I know um, me and Shane Douglas. Um, it's actually funny because. Uh, Jason Knight, a former ECW superstar, used to run shows right across the street from my house. Uh, it was called Assault Championship Wrestling, and they had guys such as Balls Mahoney, um, Jason Knight, Justin Credible, um, you name the ECW superstar they had him, except for like a Terry Funk, he was not there, but a lot of Balls Mahoney was there. Actually, uh, Balls Mahoney did a promo right in front of my house the day after 9-11. So I find that to be pretty cool. Hey, AJ, do you know that I used to work for Assault Championship Wrestling at one time? Oh, really? Yeah, I used to set up the ring, and uh, I did I did a little bit of security. Did you live across the street from the, uh, the Meriden Independence Club? Yep, that's it. Wow, the old MIC. I yep, that's MIT. Oh my God! That was like ten years ago, twelve years ago. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, it's pretty so cool. Do you know the Do you know the Fogman? Oh yeah, we run. We run. Uh, Ken and I run Fogman's show. Uh, uh, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, we run the show um, when it was called the Top Row. Uh, oh yeah, that was trivia show, and then he was uh, running it while trivia was in uh, Altoona. Yes, correct. Yeah, we run and, that for. Um, yeah, I know uh, Fogman very well. We go to wrestling shows almost every weekend. And as Trivia was saying, this Saturday, 40 Peck Road, Bethany, Connecticut, CTWE Pro Wrestling, featuring former WWE stars Antonio Thomas, Trump Beretta, and Bobby Lashley. It's going to be a great show, great matches. Uh, it's 15 bucks a ticket. It's really reasonable, and it's going to be just a good time. 
That's all. Awesome. It sounds like great. That's a show uh, Vladimir's on that show, correct? Yep. I know Vladimir very well. I just, you know, I, got, it, I mean, and I, I'm, it's great that you're, you're calling, and, and it's great bringing someone else on. I'm just, Dave, I'm amazed at how small this world is. When you, you get into re- this wrestling world in this area, it's like everybody knows everybody in some way, shape, or form. It, it's it's pretty amazing. And AJ, as a wrestling fan, it seems like uh, you've had a pretty good run as a fan of the, the amount of guys you've, you've met over the years. And uh, uh, do you have, like right now in the business, do you have a, a favorite guy, whether it's someone you've met or, or someone you just enjoy watching? Who's your favorite right now? This is actually going to surprise you guys. I am very fond of... Um of uh, the lower card people. And I'm, one of my favorite guys is actually Kurt Hawkins. I'm real, um, I like Tyson Kidd, and I love Tyler Rex when he was wrestling. It's kind of weird, but I, th- those are just my guys. But I right now, and I loved also Teddy Biasi Jr., but right now my, um, my main person that I love right now is Dolph Ziggler. He just has yeah, the charisma. Buddy. He has yeah. the charisma and everything to put on a great match. <laughs> How about that Dolph Ziggler bandwagon right there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm here to show the world. That's right. Show yeah. it off, man. <laughs> hey, it's awesome, man. I mean, you really just seem like a, a really educated wrestling fan. You really know what you're talking about. And uh, so this weekend, you're going to be at the CTWE show? Yes, sir. And actually, um, as of right now, um, CTWE is opening up their own wrestling school. So next year, I plan to attend, and I'm going to be getting trained next year to be to do my dream. That's awesome. Well, good luck with that. And you know, uh, definitely keep calling us. And, and once you start uh, on the road uh, training and stuff, we'd love to have you gone as uh, more of a guest and kind of uh, interview you as far as the whole process of becoming a professional wrestler thanks for jumping on board with us and uh talk to you soon aj oh yeah no problem i'll be calling back for sure take it easy thanks man yeah no problem that's just man i i i cannot get over since doing this show oh yeah by the way i worked there you lived across the street oh yeah how does this happen well, then he might, you know, he might have seen the, the incident that took place at one of those shows a few years ago. I'll be brief with this story. It was after, it was, the, I think it was the Assault Championship Wrestling's one-year anniversary show, and they had a match with, like, Balls Mahoney and John Cronus tagging up with Jason Knight against, like, I forget the, the guy's name, the Mutilators they were. And it was some big hardcore match, and they fought all over the building. And John Cronus was pretty bloodied up, and he had a few, uh, a few adult beverages after the match, well, before the match too, but um, which I, but after the match, and uh, as I was putting the ring in the U-Haul truck, he taps me on the shoulder and says, "Who are you?" I said, "I'm with the ring crew." He goes, "Oh yeah, where are you going?" I said, "To drop off the ring." He goes, "I need a ride to Philadelphia." And mind you, he's in his sweatpants, beer in his hand, and he's got an ace bandage wrapped around his head because he was bleeding, still covered in blood, dry blood, mind you, at like one o'clock in the morning, scared the holy. 
you know what out of me. <laughs> so I I had to disappear and I stayed in the bathroom for like a good fifteen, twenty minutes. I had to lose him because I didn't I didn't I he was gonna force me to drive him to Philadelphia because he didn't have a ride back. God rest his soul, John Cronus but so AJ might have been peeking on his window that night and watched the the, the assault of one Dave Rosenbluth that evening because I almost I almost looked I almost got beaten up pretty bad. <laughs> that that man it's it it's just it's amazing to me it's it, like you know you meet someone it's like hey yeah do you know and it's like oh yeah I know everyone knows everybody it's a, it's amazing in this area but it's cool and. Yeah, it's neat, you know, getting a different perspective. Uh, AJ seems like a guy that's just grown up as a fan. I mean, you're talking 16, so going back, I mean, it seems like he was watching. He It seems like he was watching wrestling ever since he could watch TV. And uh, now for him to be looking at, I mean, he's, he's obviously around the business, and he knows a lot of people uh, to kind of be talking about getting into the wrestling school. uh it's that cool that you kind of jump on What? That, that kid is well-spoken, too. Like, honest to God, like, he's a hell of a promoter. Like, oh, yeah, and by the way, CTWE will be, like, he's, he's, he's awesome. He's, he, he, like, I'm telling you right now, that kid's going to, when he goes to that training school, I don't know what he's, like, physically from an athletic standpoint, but that kid will be cutting promos, and people will be looking over each other like, whoa, who's that? So I, I I wish I wish you nothing but the best of luck and thank you for calling in AJ. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, definitely definitely much more well spoken than I was at sixteen. <laughs> uh, very good. So thanks a lot, AJ. We're gonna stick with the phones. We got Mike on the line. We're gonna Mike, are you there? Yeah, guys. How are you doing tonight? Doing all right. Thanks for giving us a call. What do you got for this evening? Well, you know, you know, I always support you guys and I always give you guys a call because I think you guys are well spoken. Dave, I think you're a very intelligent uh, person as well. Oh, thank you very much, Mike. You're not so bad yourself. Oh, I try. Thank you. Um, you know, I'm calling you guys tonight because I want you guys to do me a favor. Ken, I know that you're good friends with Christian Law, the BWO champ, and I know that you are good friends, Dave, with the BWO US champ. Now, here's what I want you guys to do. The next time you have either one of those gentlemen on there, Ask them. They both say that they're fighting champions. What I want to know is how come my best friend, Magic, okay, how come he's not getting a shot at uh, at their titles? Now, I heard Tristan Moore talk about Magic one day, like being disrespectful, because everybody knows that that's what Tristan Moore likes to do. My question is how come Magic's not getting a title shot? If you could ask those gentlemen that. That'll be that'll be really uh, that would be really good to ask them for me. All right, you got it. Well, we'll, we'll put that on the uh, the question list for the interviews coming up. Yeah, yeah because you know if if Steve Ross you know comes out of the ring with Barbarian, I might have to slap Barbarian in the face. You know because I'm getting sick and tired of Barbarian's big mouth too, talking about oh, Mike oh. Ferrara. You know, talking about Mike Ferrara when you know Barbarian and I are supposed to be friends. But yet I hear Barbarian going on these talk shows talking about, well, you know, I know a guy named Mike Ferrara. Yeah, you do know a guy named Mike Ferrara. Mike Ferrara is always putting you and Steve off over, you know. But that's my whole point, you know. But um, watching wrestling, I'm very excited that The Undertaker has been around. Um, and, you know, and I, and I hear he's going to do more pay-per-views. So uh, that's good. I heard he might be working up until SummerSlam. That's what I heard. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, having him around, I mean, it, it definitely it helps. I mean, there's there's no question about it. And, and you know, all the stories, you know, you don't know what's being floated out there, what's true, what's not. But, uh, you know, if The Rock was supposed to be around a little more after WrestleMania, um, you know, it's definitely good that, that Taker's around. Um, right. And we talked about it on Sunday, but, you know, the guy can still go. He really can. Oh, definitely. Uh, the Undertaker, ever since I remembered The Undertaker, and I remember The Undertaker before he was The Undertaker, you guys have been watching wrestling a long time. You probably remember him as me, Mark. Um, the other thing I wanted to tell you, Eric, you guys, is were you guys, were you guys cheering like I was last night for the Shield to kick the crap out of the Dream B? I love that. That was great. It's, it's, a really, it's an excellent point because when 3MB comes down to the ring, it's like, it was it was kind of a weird thing, like, and it almost seemed like the crowd didn't know what to do, like you know it's like all right you have the 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 ultimate the the uber heels in the ring cutting a promo, and generally when it comes to wrestling one oh one when you have your major heels cutting a promo, when when music hits, it's gonna be a baby face and the face is gonna yeah. come down and get a pop because the baby face is interrupting the heel. And like three MBs music hit, and it was like the crowd didn't know what to do. It was like, wait, what? I so who am I supposed to boo now because I hate these guys? And you're right. I was like, please just kick the hell out of three. Yeah, I was I was cheering. It was it was it kind of reminded me of when the um I forget the guy's name, not Davari. The guy at Davari was Muhammad Hassan. Yeah, or that that another WWE superstar that you see in the independents. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, these guys, these guys, um, when the Royal Rumble that time, when they all beat the crap out of them, you're like, wow, we were all chanting for them, and uh, they beat the crap out of them. But the other point I'm gonna make is this: Triple H versus Brock Lesnar in the cage. I have a funny feeling for some reason that they're gonna put Brock Lesnar over, and. I just, I mean, I, I just don't get why they would do that. But you know what? I guess Triple H has to lose again. Supposedly, that's what, that's what. Uh, I'm just hoping it doesn't happen because I want to see Triple H beat Brock Lesnar. I want to see Brock Lesnar out of the WWE. I, I just don't think that he, he's a fit anymore. I mean, not that I ever thought he was a fit, but I just don't see it. But guys, thank you for my time, and uh, be sure to ask Bob Arian and those guys when you speak to Tristan Law and them the question for me, because if I ask the question, they're not gonna like they're not gonna like how I'm gonna ask them. I don't think they're gonna like me too much lately, anyway. But whatever. But you guys have a nice wrestling. You guys have a nice wrestling week. And before I go, Michelle the Diva is the best. But that's all for my time, guys, and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks a lot for the call. Wow, it's just I like his phone calls. It's just stream of consciousness. It just it just oh, keeps going. Are like you know his phone calls are like imagine imagine getting really drunk and then getting thrown in one of those bounce houses and then there's a bunch <laughs> of kids. Like that's what his phone calls are like. Being in a bounce house, getting smacked around because you don't know where you're going and what's coming or going. But it's good because I think it makes us better hosts because we like as soon as you know like we I, I bring him up and it's like all right be on your toes because he he could go you know very easily he could go from from magic to Brock Lesnar to Crimson I mean you just never know where exactly he's gonna go and it just keeps you on your toes but thanks he you know he supports us and uh, 
Thanks a lot for the call. Always an entertaining phone call. So good times. He brings up a good point. I mean, it's interesting his thoughts on Brock Lesnar because, you know, a lot of people like having Lesnar around. Um, the idea that he doesn't fit is an interesting conversation. Um, for the the PG product, uh, it, it, I mean, I don't mind having Lesnar around. I'm not a huge Lesnar fan. I, myself, I, I kind of, you know, he turned his back on wrestling. So to me, uh, you know, good riddance. I mean, I don't need him back. He adds a certain thing to, to the product. He definitely adds uh, that badass heel persona uh, to the product, which is, uh, you know, needed. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying he's not entertaining. Um, but that idea that Mike says he just doesn't fit, uh, it, it's interesting because a guy of, of that sort of character ilk um, in a PG product is someone that, that it's hard to, to fit him in. And interestingly enough, I mean, if you're going to keep Brock Lesnar around, and, you know, Mike doesn't want to see Triple H lose, you know, we've had Lesnar lose to Triple H. We've had Lesnar lose to John Cena. Uh, if Lesnar's going to still be around, I feel like he has to win at, at Extreme Rules. Uh, your thoughts on Lesnar, Dave? Um, Lesnar doesn't fit in a full-time capacity with the WWE and their product. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, I don't know the the, the exact numbers or figures of his contract and, and the terms and conditions, but he's making a lot of money for being a part-time guy. He works, from what I understand, 30 to 40 dates a year. And he's making a lot of money. So he is like a special attraction in some ways. And he also has some mainstream appeal. You get those UFC fans that could cross over that want to see a pay-per-view with him on wrestling. And, and, you know, he was like that when he went over to the UFC. Wrestling fans certainly tuned in when he fought over on the UFC. He hasn't appealed to him. He's an enormous guy. He's, he's probably, in my opinion, he's the most gifted athlete that's on that roster, even at a part-time capacity, the things that that guy can do for his side is, is I, I would never believe it. And, 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 you know, if I never saw the guy before, um, but he's got an appeal to him and he's got a draw and, you know, he does like I said, he, because of his style and who he is as a character, he will not, to me, in my opinion, his stick would get old real quick. If he was on television for three straight months, in my opinion, the Brock Lesnar we see now and that we see, you know, and that we will continue to see sprinkled out in the next couple of years in, in this contract is exactly the person he needs to be. He's just a big, menacing, bully kind of a guy. Comes and goes whenever he wants, literally and figuratively in storyline terms. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense for, 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 for a guy like that to be put in the position that he's put in. And he only fits with certain guys, too. That's another point I want to make. You can't just put him out there with, you know, and have him have the kind of matches with uh, an Alberto Del Rio or, you know, uh, a, a Sheamus. You know what I mean? Like, it could work in a certain extent, but he, he works with certain guys. The style he works works with certain guys. And, you know, the, the storylines that he's in work with certain guys, you know, and during certain times of the year. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been using that word a lot, certain. But the, I am certain that Brock Lesnar is – you know, going to continue to be a draw and help the WWE, even if it's on a part-time basis. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and 
you know, what I said about Lesnar, and that comes more from, like, outside stuff than, than what he brings on TV. Um, again, if, if he were to leave, I'm not going to lose any sleep. But he is very gifted. And to be honest, I'm looking forward to what these two guys are going to bust out at, at Extreme Rules. I mean, Triple H, uh, definitely uh, an intense competitor, uh, as well as Lesnar. I mean, both of them bring kind of this, uh, you know, alpha dog kind of quality uh, to their characters, uh, two guys that are just going to get in the ring and really just want to tear each other apart. Um, add Heyman to the mix and saying an old school steel cage match. Um, you expect it to be violent and, and in a PG product. Uh, you know, it's, it's something that I'm really looking forward to seeing what these two guys can do. Um, but I tend to think as much as, you know, I like Triple H and I, I wonder exactly, you know, it, it's kind of a weird program because you had Triple H and he got his arm broken. So he leaves for a little while. Then he comes back, has his comeback wrestles Lesnar, beats Lesnar, so now you're having another match. As far as Lesnar goes, uh, you kind of feel like Lesnar has to win to maintain his badass uh, image. But at the same time, it's like, all right, so we're going to do this all over again. The Triple H is going to lose, he's going to get hurt, he's going to go away for a little while, and then we're going to wait for him to come back again. So the the aftermath, you kind of wonder where they're going to go exactly with that and where specifically Triple H is going to go. Um, but I do think this should be a very entertaining match. But uh, if, if I'm creating I, I think Lesnar just, he has to win. It's really going to be tough to maintain uh, his appeal as, you know, just this ass kicker uh, if, if he, you know, just keeps coming back and, and losing. So... We will see, but Extreme Rules is coming up, and we have that to look forward to, as well as a bunch of other matches. But this Sunday, tune in to the Ken Reedy Show, because it uh, should be a great show on Sunday, Dave. We're going, you know, we're taking a break. We have a departure from the usual show, and we're going we're gonna to talk history of the WWE Championship. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. It's the 50th anniversary um, has begun, uh, started last week, and... Uh, it, you know, you, we've seen a lot of great WWE champions. We've seen a lot of lackluster champions. We've seen a lot of great matches. We've seen a lot of bad matches and dissecting what the title means in today's wrestling landscape, what it meant in the past, um, you know, in integral parts of that title and its history. I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm, I'm more looking forward to, see, you know, hearing from, from, from our listeners and what they're going to bring um, as far as their thoughts on the WWE title overall to our show. Yes, totally. Want to hear your thoughts on the history, the best champions, the worst champions, all that good stuff. So tune in Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m., the Ken Reedy Show for the best in pro wrestling talk. Thank you guys for tuning in tonight. For Dave, I'm Ken Reedy. Good night, everybody.